Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled High Hopes for Emerging Small Molecules, Looking Ahead to Expanded Treatment Options for Moderate to Severe Crohn's Disease. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from AbbVie Incorporated. Hi, I'm Ellen Sherl. I'm the founding director and research director of Wild Cornell Medicine, New York Presbyterian Hospital, Jill Roberts Center for Inflammatory Bowel Disease. I'm also the Jill Roberts Professor of IBD. Let's look at the current treatment pathways for moderate to severe Crohn's disease. In this Truven database commandeered by Corey Siegel, look at over 16,000 patients with Crohn's disease, which shows that the majority of patients are either receiving steroids, immunomodulators, or mesalamines. So we're talking about close to 90% of patients are on ineffective therapy, less than 10% are on biologics, either solo monotherapy or in combination with immunomodulators. And so the majority of patients with moderate to severe Crohn's disease are on either steroids or mesalamines, which do nothing to change the natural history of the disease. One of the goals is that with these novel therapeutic small molecules, we want to intervene as early as possible to decrease the long-term high dose and high utilization of steroids and mesalamines, which are ineffective therapies to change the natural history and progression of moderate to severe Crohn's disease. So if we look at understanding the emerging role of small molecules in inflammatory bowel disease, we're talking about really understanding the immunobiology, the pathophysiology of Crohn's disease. Genes may predispose to inflammatory bowel disease, resulting in abnormalities in the mucosal immune system with overproduction of pro-inflammatory cytokines and underproduction of regulatory T cells and cytokines. Epigenetics and environmental factors play a pivotal role in expressing or activating IBG-sensitive genes. Simply put, no bacteria, no IBD. When we look at the mucosal metabolites and fuel and growth and virulence factors in Crohn's disease, much is associated with enteroadherent and invasive E. coli. And it looks like the IL-23 and TH17 pathway mediates microbial defenses and intestinal inflammation. Multiple JAK and STAT components have been implicated in the IL-23, IL-12, and other pro-inflammatory cytokine signaling pathways. Effector T-cells and regulatory T-cells result in homeostasis or balanced inflammation in the normal intestine. Dysregulated T-cells, both regulatory and infector, with decreased regulatory and increased effector T-cells results in chronic, uncontrolled gut inflammation. The sphingosine 1 receptor modulation targets S1 receptors at 1 and 5 with high affinity, blocking the ability of lymphocytes to enter the intestine and may reduce lymphocytes in the peripheral blood. The S1P receptor antagonists and modulators reduce the capacity of lymphocytes to migrate from the lymphoid tissues into the intestines. Now that we've discussed the rationale for emerging small molecule therapies, we're going to review clinical trial evidence on efficacy of emerging selective JAK inhibitors and sphingosine 1 receptor modulators in patients with moderate to severe Crohn's disease. 
So let's look at the efficacy of upadacitinib in moderate to severe Crohn's disease, looking at the first phase three trial, looking at induction therapy with upadacitinib in moderate to severe Crohn's disease. I want to draw your attention to the incredibly low placebo rate with endoscopic response and a very nice, robust 35% with mucosal endoscopic response with 45 milligrams of upadacitinib at week 12. Now, if we look at the second phase three study, looking at the 12-week efficacy of upadacitinib in moderate to severe Crohn's disease, you can see very similar data, a very robust placebo rate of 13%, which is pretty low, compared to nearly 50% endoscopic response with upadacitinib, 45 milligrams. And here I also will draw your attention to the fact that the clinical remission rates are also very high in the long-term extension trial. But you can see here that we're looking at, again, a low placebo rate, 3.7%, and with upadacitinib, 30 milligrams, 23.2% with clinical and endoscopic remission. And if we look at clinical maintenance of remission, again, very robust, nearly 70% with upadacitinib compared to only 21% with placebo. Now, filgotinib is another JAK1 selective inhibitor like upadacitinib. And here I just want to draw your attention to the fact that like upadacitinib, it's a highly selective JAK1 inhibitor with not quite as robust mucosal healing. So you can see 4% in the filgotinib with 2% mucosal healing in placebo. So the numbers are not quite as robust. And again, with endoscopic remission, 14% with filgotinib and 7% with endoscopic remission in placebo, but not as robust a delta as we saw with upadacitinib. Now, let's look at a new mechanism of action, which is ozanamod, a sphingosine 1 receptor modulator. But again, just look at the numbers here with clinical remission of about 53% in 17 out of 32 patients with similar robust response with a clinical response. Endoscopic response with ozanamod was 23.2% and 10.1% of patients experienced endoscopic remission. We review the latest efficacy for emerging small molecules. In the next session, we're going to discuss clinical trial evidence on safety for emerging selective JAK inhibitors and sphingosine 1 receptor modulators in moderate to severe Crohn's disease. We've talked about efficacy. Let's talk about safety. The most common adverse events with hepatocinib were nasopharyngitis, acne, and anemia. Serious adverse events were similar in placebo and hepatocinib arms. Serious infections were actually lower in the hepatocinib group and slightly higher in placebo, but not statistically significant. There was 2.9% rate of herpes zoster, and they were none reported in the placebo. At the long-term extension trial, treatment discontinuation were similar amongst all groups. The AEs of special interest were similar in all groups. Herpes size to slightly higher in the 30 milligrams. In the 15 milligram group, there was an ovarian cancer. And in the 30 milligram group, there was colon and breast cancer. Again, these are long-standing patients with long-standing disease. Now, filgotinib is a, another JAK1 selective inhibitor, and you can see again, nasopharyngitis, herpes zoster is 3% in the filgotinib, 200 milligrams to 100 milligram, and none in the placebo.
In terms of safety for ozanamide for moderate to severe Crohn's disease, again, very robust data with very low rates of lymphopenia. We've reviewed the safety for late-stage emerging small molecules, and we will now discuss individuals with moderate to severe Crohn's disease who would be candidates for emerging selective JAK inhibitors and S1P receptor modulators. So in terms of optimizing patient selection for emerging small molecule therapies in moderate to severe Crohn's disease, the overarching theme is to reduce the patients who are on steroids and 5-ASAs, aminosalicylates, mesalamines, which are ineffective in changing the disease progression. Also, long-term immune suppressants of the 6-MPAs, thioprine, methotrexate, should be lessened. In biologic therapy, where patients have not responded or not been optimized, there is, of course, a preference for oral therapy. The ozanamide, sphingosine 1-receptor antagonist may be used as first line. A JAK inhibitor may be used as second line, but also potentially as first line or at least early on, as early as possible, remembering that the major goal is to reduce steroid-dependent strategies. So if we want to change disease behavior, we need to intervene early with these new effective therapies. So let's look at who might benefit from an oral selective JAK inhibitor. Again, patients with a heterogeneous immune profile, no risk for ocular AE such as macular edema, and no history of cardiac disease. Patients who may benefit from S1P receptor modulator therapy are those who are at increased risk for infection with herpes zoster or immune suppressed and patients with concomitant therapy with SSRIs or SNRIs. So now that we know which patients may benefit from therapy with emerging small molecules, let's discuss the methods for adverse event monitoring in patients receiving selective JAK inhibitors and S1P receptor modulators, as well as proactive strategies to manage AEs for individuals with moderate to severe Crohn's disease. So we're going to discuss now managing the adverse events with emerging small molecular therapies for Crohn's disease and monitoring recommendations for patients with Crohn's disease. So we want to find objective markers of inflammation, such as C-reactive protein, fecal calprotectin, arguably cross-sectional imaging, such as MR enterography, or ultimately intestinal ultrasound endoscopy. The key point here is that symptoms alone are not enough to guide therapy. We need to have symptoms that are linked to active inflammation. And we learned that from the SONIC trial showing that if patients did not have fecal calprotectin and elevated CRP, they were unlikely to respond to these effective therapies. We also want to incorporate quality of life into patient-reported outcomes with inflammatory biomarkers as well. In terms of proactive measures to maximize safety for the oral JAK inhibitors, minor infections treat throughout. For more serious, you are certainly able to take a break and then reintroduce the medication without any problems. Consider prophylaxis with antiherpetic vaccines. Anemias, you want to evaluate hemoglobin at baseline and treat accordingly. And in terms of major adverse events, refer to appropriate specialists and stop the JAK one immediately. In terms of monitoring, we recommend hepatic function, kidney test, bone marrow function, and presence of infection and lipid profile at the start of therapy, and then four weeks after, and then every three to four months. And I want to underscore that at week 12, we want to assess lipid profile. Hepatocininib 
in terms of optimizing S1P receptor modulators in those patients who are at risk, you do a cardiogram, lab monitoring, you're going to do liver tests and check lymphocyte counts. After one month, if the levels are low, you can stop the drug and usually the lymphocyte count will return within 30 days. Fundoscopic exam in those patients with a history of diabetes, uveitis, or macular edema. Check varicellatitis and vaccinate for varicella zoster virus if appropriate. So I'd like to pull this all together by saying that we have very exciting novel small molecules. The goal is to effectively introduce small molecule therapy for moderate to severe Crohn's disease, minimize steroid and mesalamine conventional therapy, and change the natural history by altering the disease progression in moderate to severe Crohn's disease. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.